This podcast is presented by Miscreant Records. You can find us on Twitter at Miscreant Pods, and you can also email us at miscreantrecordspod at gmail.com. <clears throat> What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Miscreants on the Moon podcast. As always, it's me, Jacob, and with me, as always... Uh, Hayden. Hayden, is everything okay? You sound a little sick today. Uh, I think I got the new, uh, COVID strain, you know, COVID Ds. No. Well, that's, <laughs> that's tough. <laughs> uh no hayden is sadly no longer with us he uh drowned it people made too many sloppy steaks and he's he drowned he drowned in the water that they (laughs) drowned their steaks in so um just uh uh whoever edits this podcast uh let's take a moment of silence and we'll insert some of hayden's best clips here All right, thank you. Uh, rest in peace, Hayden. Amen. This is uh, the original brother, <laughs> Garrett. You know him. You've, he's been around before. It's been a while. It's actually it hasn't been that long. Uh, when what? It's been actually almost a year, right? I would say ish. a year ish. When did House of the Dragon end? I want to say like September, October, because okay, yeah. So I nine was, months. Yeah, I was about to say I wasn't back here at my job till july 5th last year so i hit okay a year anniversary of being in hell in two days well one day technically <laughs> so yeah so uh we do hate we do notoriously hate our jobs on this podcast which is why people should continue to listen we're slowly but surely get building up enough people to make money yep so hopefully one day this can be a job that'd be nice i'm tired of side hustling you know at least you have one it seems like audrey and i have been working on our side hustle for pretty much four years now and it's still just not taken off well hey it happens yeah anyway um yeah now that we've got our grieving out of the way uh we're here today to talk about the new indiana jones movie but first is there any news this week? I don't think so. Uh, Garrett, Garrett, do you have any news for us? Because I don't think I do. Um, <laughs> there's been some clips of Barbie being released, which I haven't watched because I want to go into that movie fully, like, just distance away from everything. Like, I haven't even watched yeah. anything past the first trailer, so... I've watched the newest trailer just because I've been to the theater a lot lately, and it's one of the ones that they've been showing. I kind of wish I didn't know anything about this movie going into it, but uh, but I do. So usually I'm yeah I I, I, I was ahead. gonna say I'm pretty good at like tuning out like trailers and just like looking at my phone. Uh, no, I don't do that. The moment that the lights go down a little bit, my phone is away. I have impeccable movie theater etiquette so i'm about to say for movies i usually like have my phone out till like the title screen because i for every movie i take a picture of the title screen as like it's just some weird thing i do but like always like you know turn off flash turn the brightness all the way down all that good stuff yeah yeah so no i just uh yeah i'm always locked in for the trailers just because i miss back in the day 
when there's a lot of problems with movie. We can talk about this. I know you go to the movies a lot. Um, do you remember back when we were younger? Uh, I guess it happened more so for you because I, I can barely remember when this was the case. But when you could go to a movie theater and the trailers that you saw before a movie would be the first time you saw a trailer for a movie. Like, Oh, yeah. Like, now... I miss that. <laughs> I honestly do, too. Because, like, now, by the time I go to a theater and I'm sitting through the trailer, the for the vast majority of them, it's like my fifth or sixth time watching it by that point. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I will say, Which, before this movie, Indiana Jones, when I went to go see it, I did see a trailer for a movie that I have not seen before, so that was a very nice, like, nostalgic moment. What is that? What was it? Uh, it's something like A Haunting in Venice or something like that. Oh, really? Yeah, I, I saw that trailer, uh, like, months ago. I think I talked about it on the show when it came out. It looks good, I think. I, I think it looks solid, but yeah, that was the first time I've seen it, so. Is that the one when they're on the boat and there's a Dracula on the boat? No, that's, uh, what's that one called? Like, The Last Voyage? Isn't that A Haunting in something? Oh, the last voyage. Last voyage, okay. the Demeter or whatever, where it's based off the chapter. I guess that makes sense. Yeah. Because if it's on a boat, why would it be a haunting in Venice? I guess I haven't seen a haunting in Venice. The trailer for that. Yeah, yet. I didn't even know. Like at first, they were talking about like exorcisms. I thought it was gonna be the new Exorcist trailer. I was like, okay, I need to like kind of lock in for this. But then I was just yeah. like, this is definitely not the Exorcist, but it doesn't look bad. Mm-hmm. I mean, it kind of gives me the vibe of like. I think it comes out in late September, so it gives me the vibe of like pushing out a quick horror movie right before Halloween just to try to make the Halloween money. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. There's always a few of those every year that seem to... What? I guess last year the big one was what Halloween Ends, no, which is not, not a good movie. Not talking about that. <laughs> <laughs> not talking. I think... If I'm not mistaken, I think that's still the worst movie I have rated for 2022. Like, if Larabox let lets me have give a movie zero stars, that would be the one that has zero stars. Hmm. Really? Yeah. I didn't hate it that much, but I definitely didn't like it. I don't remember what I gave it. I just um. I, I had so many problems with it. I also too. I yeah. think like the fans who did like it made me hate it more because i was just like that happened to me with joker and spider-man no way home oh yeah that's fair i didn't care for either of those movies when i saw them but just the people afterwards that were like oh my god we do live in a society the joker is me i am him and it's like bro it's it's not that deep like just calm down buddy like like that and then with no way home no way home was cool at first like it was fun i didn't love the movie but i was like okay it was pretty cool to see two guys from the movies that i watched when i was a kid walk through a portal like that was cool but everybody was like oh my god this is top three mcu movie ever it's infinity war then Endgame, then no way home i'm like oh okay maybe not but sure if, if they were talking about experiences then i would maybe hear them out on that but like if you're going based off of just like like theater experience but if you're going based off of like just the best mcu movie it's nowhere near the top 
Yeah, it was. I I don't even the know. theater experience for me wasn't great because it was people got hype to the extent that it was annoying. Yeah, like I'm all for people getting excited and stuff in the mood. Like I love one of the in recent memory one of my favorite like movie theater experiences was um going to see everything everywhere all at once. I went on like a random Tuesday night. And at the theater I go to here, they had us in one of the small rooms, Mm -hmm. but it was packed. And like, I went by myself, but it was so full that I like had people on either side of me. And it's like, I've never seen those people before. I will never see them again. But we were all just like sitting there just having a, a wonderful time. And that's fine. Like that type of energy is, is great. But whenever it's just like, Every time something happens, like a group of people is just cheering, it gets old to me. Yeah, for me, it was definitely, you know, like hype, cheering, all that. But it wasn't like to an extent where it annoyed me, at least. Yeah. But. Well, for my screening, it was every time something, like every time Tobe Maguire or Andrew Garfield did literally anything, a group of people would like clap and cheer. Somebody stood up and like gave them a standing ovation whenever they came out of the portals <laughs> it was it was baffling and it was like a middle-aged man i yeah that that's doing the most i i'm not i did almost i almost did shed a tear when i saw toby that's that i saw my spider man that's i saw that i was like that's my boy and then like after that it was just like i'm going to just enjoy this like no screaming or anything so it was exciting but also, like, at the time, the movie looked bad, I think. It looked like it was shot in a shoebox. Yeah. But the moment that the way they were introduced to the movie was both of them just stepped through a portal into somebody's dining room, it kind of like didn't feel as cool to me as if they had been introduced in literally any other way. Yeah. But just, like, they step through the portal. I want to watch this scene at home now. Because there is such a long pause. It, yeah. Both times. For, like, with the purpose of people clapping and cheering. There's a couple of these in Endgame as well. I haven't seen either of those movies outside of the theater. So, I don't know what it would be like. Mm Mm-hmm. But I feel like it's got to be weird just having like 10 seconds of silence after they walk through the portal, just sitting and watching that at home. Yeah, I I think for me, I'm never watching that movie at home. Like, I think I'm just letting my one time at the theater be good enough because that yeah. movie's also pushing three hours, isn't it? It's uh, it's like two hours and 38 or 39 yeah, minutes or something. I, and you could... Sh- probably cut that down to maybe right at two hours if not less if you remove those scene, like those moments where to allow people to clap and whatnot like um yeah if they made a shorter version of it where they do take that out that would want to be hilarious because <laughs> you know they're just openly admitting like yeah we're making these moments like we're saying the quiet part out loud but also it's just like i will watch that instead you know yeah no it's yeah, that's fair. Uh, there were a lot of moments like that in the Flash too. You saw that recently, 
right? You, did, Un- you have seen it? Un- oh, we saw it on the same day. Unfortunately. Didn't we? Yeah. Unfortunately. That movie was awful. And they had moments where there were pauses for clapping, but it was like... That movie was trying to be No Way Home, and honestly, I think they're very comparable. I don't know why people loved No Way Home and it made a billion dollars, but why this movie doesn't work, because I really don't like either of them. Yeah. For the same reasons. Uh, I think there's... I think No Way Home had a better story, actually. I'll give that credit. It's, it was still, like, not a good story, but it was better. Yeah, I mean... There's a lot more issues tied to the Flash than just, you know, like story or anything like that with, um, whatever their name is, uh, Ezra Miller. Yeah. So. Well, I was talking strictly just from like a movie perspective, not. Oh yeah. <laughs> not everything else surrounding it. I mean, the CGI is pretty dookie as well. Like, like yeah. I thought it was bad in both. It um, is, but like. It was worse in the Flash. Yeah, the whole baby but, thing, I know y'all touched on it, and then, of course, like, you said in the episode for when y'all covered the Flash, like, it was still lazy on their part for explaining why the Speed Force looks like the way it does. Well, yeah, or, like, the, it's not the director enough. said... Yeah. Yeah. The director said that it was supposed to be, um, like, Barry Allen's perspective in the Speed Force, <laughs> but what about... Every time there's bad CGI and the speed force isn't happening, yep. like every time they're just standing there and it looks bad, I don't know. The guy that directed it directed the Flash, yep. right? Uh, Andy. Andy. I, I'm gonna butcher his last name. It's like Mas Mas Masachetti or something like that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I said it wrong on the Flash episode too. That was. <sighs> It, it, it's crazy because both of the It movies, I liked the first one a lot more than I liked the second one, but mm-hmm. I think they're both pretty solid. And I think they both look really good and they're very interesting visually. So he can, like he can make good stylistic choices as a director. And for him to come out and be like, this was a stylistic choice, I, I don't believe him. <laughs> Because I've seen what, like, his good stylistic choices look like visually, and it's not this. But, yeah. I agree. I mean, that might be just him trying to take the bullet for... Yeah, I think, ultimately, he might take the fall for this. I don't think he's the reason this movie was bad. Um, I am... I do think it's crazy they announced that he's doing uh, the Batman Brave and the Bold TV show. And not TV show, movie. Yeah. I mean... I... If he's given full... Like, like if he's the only director on the project and if he's not taking over this steaming pile of garbage, like... I... I think it could still be good. It's just, it's just strange timing. Like this movie is currently bombing in the theaters. Let's announce that. Let's announce that he's directing a project in the new universe, which is, um, it's yeah, like, I it's it's an interesting choice to use like 
the last laugh of this dying universe that you have and be like, the guy that made this, even though it's bombing in the box office, it's not making any money um, to to give him the reins to like, not the most important movie. I think the Superman Legacy is the most important movie. I talked about this pretty lengthily last week mm-hmm. um, or two weeks ago. But I think in the in the rebooted franchise, that is the most important movie. But uh, I think Batman is like you also have to do those are those are two characters you really need to do right, and then obviously Wonder Woman as well. Like those are three characters you need to nail as the foundation of this shared universe you're trying to build. If you're trying to go with the traditional Justice League route, which it looks like they're trying to do, I agree. But I mean. I don't know if I feel like if he has full creative, like if he has all the full power, I have faith in him, but only time will tell. It's always tough. Yeah. It's always tough judging a director off of a movie like this, where they come in and take the reins after it's just been so watered down. It's had so many, I think it had something like 25 script writers listed. Mm Mm-hmm. Something insane like that, which if you have that many people passing over the script and like doing enough to get a writing credit, uh, and then this was he was like the third or fourth director, it's um plus adding into that all of the problems that um Ezra Miller had offset, plus like Warner Brothers coming out and saying that okay, this universe doesn't matter anymore. There were a lot of problems, so it's hard to put the blame on the director but it is weird to during like during the event of this movie bombing they announce him as one of the the director for one of their pinnacle movies that they're starting off with mm-hmm. but speaking of movies that are bombing uh let's get into indiana jones oh yeah it is technically bombing isn't it yeah it's uh let me pull up the numbers really quickly. I'm about to say, I'm looking um, at the wiki right now, and after opening weekend, it's only at 130 mil. Which is crazy, because... And it's probably going to drop pretty heavily, right? Because this week is... Oh Well, does anything come out this week? Um, Honestly, if I remember correctly, so... Not this week, but next week is going to be Mission Impossible, and then the following week is going to be Oppenheimer. It's going to be the greatest Samac weekend of all time. Yeah, I'm so excited for uh, that, dude. I uh, July 22nd. I have a whole day planned out. I have a schedule sent out to some of my friends. It's going to be one hell of a day. I, I've seriously considered um, taking off that Friday and just going to the movie theater and like sitting in a seat and just not moving all day. If that's possible. Oh, but you'd have to move well, yeah. from one cinema to the other, but... Unless they're both showing Barbie and Oppenheimer on IMAX, which... That's... There's no way. Going. They're not going to show Barbie on IMAX. The only places that would show Barbie and IMAX are places that have multiple IMAX screens, which I, I don't... No theaters around here do. I don't know how many would have multiple IMAX screens, honestly. Yeah. It is kind of interesting. Um, I'm looking at my theater now, and it shows that Oppenheimer is going to be on IMAX in digital. So that means Mission Impossible and Barbie won't be on 
either one, which I find kind of interesting, especially about the digital, at least. Not digital, um, Dolby. Oh, huh. Yeah, it's like listed, like, Oppenheimer's listed for both of those and nothing else, so that's kind of interesting. Well, Tom Cruise was upset that uh, Mission Impossible would only get one week of IMAX screen time, which is, on. that's usually how it goes during summer blockbuster season. It's like, when you have a movie coming out pretty much every week, you're only going to get one week of the IMAX screen, then, you know, the next week Transformers is going to come take its place, mm-hmm. and the next week Indiana Jones is going to take it, you know, or The Flash, then Indiana Jones, like, every single week a new movie is going to come and take over that screen. So, it's not that shocking, but, yeah, to... In in the, the in the theater that I have here, a lot of a lot of the um, individual rooms do have the uh, Dolby surround system. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think so. I, I think Bar it'll accommodate Barbie in that. I think all of the big theaters have that, and then some of the smaller ones just have more of the basic, the basic sound uh, sound equipment. So, but yeah. Uh, t- t- that being said, yeah. Indiana Jones should maybe be able to survive a second week, I, second weekend without having an insane drop. Maybe. I mean, I think they're kind of hoping for a big for uh, Fourth of July tomorrow, because I mean, I didn't realize mm, this that too till today. I didn't realize like this is considered one of the most expensive movies ever made. Well, the budget was what two hundred ninety-five million. Yeah, and on top of that, that doesn't include any of the um advertisements right yeah you usually you usually double for marketing so around 600 million like a rough estimate is around uh probably 580 million dollars yeah uh that is insane that, really that is. to break even this movie needs to be 600 million uh and to be considered a success it has to crack a billion which is what people were saying about Avatar 2 when James Cameron said that. But in that case, part of the cost of Avatar 2 also incorporated the third and fourth movies that they were doing some work on at the same time. Mm-hmm. With this one, it's it's just this one movie. Literally just this one. And, you know, Avatar 2 did crack a billion dollars. It did very well. Uh, and I just don't see Indiana Jones 5 really cracking that 1 billion mark especially was that when you said 1 130 was that uh was that global or domestic it let me look down here it did not say it's just on the wikipedia page it hasn't said if that was um, if it's global or um international okay so let's see no it's 130 worldwide okay yeah because i was just looking in its first weekend it only earned two and a half million in china which is usually um when you look at the global box office breakdown that's u.s is usually the lion's share of that but then um with these big box office these big blockbuster movies uh, they'll they'll usually get, you know, another, uh, 
like 75% of what they got in the U.S. in China as well. But for it to earn so little over there, that's that's wild. Yeah, it's... This movie... Some movies gain, uh, like, gain traction as time goes on. I remember uh, Avatar 1. I don't know if Avatar 2 did this as well, but... Avatar 1 was like the biggest example of that for the longest time. It didn't have a great opening week, but it just stayed in theaters and kept building building traction and eventually became, you know, the most profitable movie or not the most profitable, but like the highest grossing movie for a significant amount of time, like 10 years, I think. Mm-hmm. Um but with blockbuster movies like this, Usually they tend to have a drop in that second weekend. I just we've seen a lot of huge drops, like with the Flash. Uh, Transformers didn't have that big of a drop, but it was still significant. Uh, Fast X had a pretty decent drop. Um, Shazam had a huge drop. I, I could I could see Indiana Jones having not that great. Of a second weekend, um, but the fact that it only pulled in 130 million worldwide its first week, it, it it is not looking good for this movie to break in to break even. Oh, I and it's really not looking good for it to be yeah, <laughs> considered a success. I don't. Think. I definitely don't think it's they're gonna break even. Yeah. Another issue with that is something that I don't really care for. That we've moved towards. I've probably talked about it on here before. I'm curious as to what your thoughts are. But movies tend to come to streaming very quickly after they release in theaters. And I think it hurts their box office numbers. It definitely does. And you do see it with some movies. I mean... did it, So one movie I'm thinking of, because I plan on watching it tomorrow, is Air. Didn't that movie, wasn't that movie out for like two weeks and then it was already on like Prime for free? I think it was um more like a month, but... But even then, a month, you know? Because there's some movies that like will stay in theaters for a lot longer. Well, it's this strange holdover from the pandemic where obviously a lot of theaters weren't open. You were having... um studios release movies on streaming the day they the day they were released in theaters and then it became like a big deal disney i think started doing uh two weeks and then now it's kind of settled out at around a month Mm -hmm. and at this point you know with with the world kind of moving past uh the pandemic in a lot of ways um it's not you know as much of a global issue anymore theaters are open at regular capacities and things like that it, it just doesn't seem like a smart decision especially when a lot of these streaming services are losing money and the model clearly shows that a big driver of increasing profits is how many new subscribers you can get based off of what you're releasing but i i don't even think if you get a bunch of new subscribers because your hope is when you get new subscribers they forget to unsubscribe and they keep paying for a long period of time 
I, I, I just feel like leaving it in theaters and not... Because clearly, a lot of people don't like... Some people don't like going to the movie theaters. Mm-hmm. But used to, if a movie that you really wanted uh, to see was coming out, you'd have to wait, you know, six months for a DVD release. Um, or to go on streaming. Which I think is a fair amount of time. I know used to, in like the 80s, 90s, things like that, it would be over a year before they would get released. I think that is a bit long, but like six months feels like a good number because then you can let it run in theaters for a significant significant period of time. You can even let it hit the dollar theaters after a lot of the major theaters drop it to get some more box office revenue. Like the longevity of movies in cinemas is has been killed by this like trend. And and I think it's hurting cinemas i think it's you know hurting movies we're not like movies aren't making money anymore and i'm not saying every movie deserves it i don't think you might feel differently i personally don't think indiana jones necessarily deserves to be profitable or a success but i think that it's definitely being hurt by this trend because i personally know people that are like why would i see it in theaters it'll be on disney plus in a month Mm -hmm. (laughs) i mean I'm not going to necessarily disagree with you. I personally would like to see it at least break even just because I am a Indiana Jones fanboy, but like, it's not going to bother me whatsoever because it is what it is. And it's the last one we're going to get until Harrison Ford dies and sells the rights to his face to Disney. Yeah, I guess I don't. I didn't want it to fail coming into it, but after seeing it, I don't think that. I am a big fan of Indiana Jones. I love those original three movies. Mm-hmm. Kingdom of the Crystal Skull isn't terrible, but this one just kind of. We'll get into it once we start talking more about, about to say, the plot and stuff. Well, but I, I just wasn't too happy with it (laughs) i wasn't yeah we'll get into it but i'll say i wasn't happy with like the third act like the last act of the movie that's yeah that's where my biggest issues uh go for uh but yeah let's get in we've talked box office for a bit let's go ahead and get into the review um we've got i i can't remember if we had our new format that we use when you were on but uh we go through like video and uh, audio and visual stuff, and then we get into more like plot and performances. Mm-hmm. After that, in the in the video and in, in the visuals and audio stuff, we don't talk spoilers, and then we get into spoilers when we talk to plot. So yeah, uh, let's go ahead and start it off with the visuals in this movie. Um, what are your thoughts? I, I I'm curious as to what you think because you might not have the same problems that I did. So visually wise. For the most part, I did think it was better than um, Kingdom of Crystal. What is it? Uh, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. And you know, before this, I rewatched all the Indiana Jones, and I showed Audrey the. She has seen Raiders of the Lost Ark with me numerous times, but I showed her, you know, the other three. I thought yeah. overall it looked better. I still had issues with a good portion of it, but um, I did. L- I honestly thought the de-aging that they did for Harrison Ford was done well. 
and we do we also kind of talk about audio right yeah so yeah. my only complaint about that is like i feel like for some reason like when he was talking when you know um it was during the scenes of where they had to de-age him um yeah it sounded like it was just old harrison ford talking instead of like young harrison ford which is fine. Which is okay, I, like, but like it kind of threw it off because it's just like, and I don't know. If that's just because I had like recently just rewatched them all, so like I yeah. have that in my head. But, um, but I did for the most part. I did like the de aging. There were a couple times where it did kind of look off, but yeah, for the most part, I thought it looked good to fine. I don't think it looked great. Um, they did it for like the first what 20, 30 minutes of this movie is mm-hmm. de-aged Harrison Ford. Um, that's not a spoiler. You see it in the trailer. Yeah. Um, it's just I guess it is a spoiler that it spends a lot of time on it. But uh, <sighs> the the longer you try to do something like that, there's going to be holes in it, mm-hmm. and there were a lot of them. Especially in the action sequences with the de-aged Harrison Ford. Yeah, that's that. Those were um, the scenes that I can remember, like seeing where the de-age, especially of his face. I'm just like, no. Yeah. One thing that I did find jarring, though, they de-aged him twice. Uh, I thought they did a pretty decent job of making him look like he did. So the the de-aged bits. There is so the original three Indiana Jones movies are in the thirties, are set in the thirties. Mm-hmm. Um, then they skip over the forties. Kingdom of the Crystal Skull set in the fifties. This is set in the sixties. Um, they de-age him in this movie to the forties. They made him look very close to original trilogy Indiana Jones, which I feel like. They could have aged him up a little bit, mm-hmm. but they had a lot of references to go off of for that era specifically of this character, so that's fine. You know, I just didn't think it looked great during the action sequences, and I really didn't think it looked... It didn't always look amazing when he was just talking and stuff either. Um, my biggest complaint with the de-aging, though, when they de-age him to the 50s, they made him look... They made a point to make him look a lot younger than he did in Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. <laughs> uh, like, very different. It was it was off-putting, mm-hmm. I think. Because just knowing that... <coughs> excuse me. Uh, this flashback takes place so close to the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. I found that weird. Um, that's less of, like, a visual issue and more of just a choice. Yeah. With how much to de-age him. Uh, I, and I didn't really... It was weird because yeah, I, I didn't. Th- I, I was gonna say it was weird too because it's like it looked like they just took the de-aged thirties Indiana Jones, add a few wrinkles, and then kind of just like put a little gray in his hair, and it's just like I don't know the exact amount of years between that scene and Crystal Skull, but it's like this dude literally aged like milk overnight. If that was the case, yeah, I, it's. Is if anything, I think that in the forties, he should have looked closer to how he did in the fifties flashback, mm-hmm. 
and then in the 50s just make him look like he did in Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. I agree. Uh, maybe in the 40s don't give him the gray hair, let him still have like his brown hair, but give him some wrinkles, make him look a little bit older because it's, you know, 10 years after Raiders of the Lost Ark, which he was, you know, late 30s uh, during those mm-hmm. movies. So it's like, you know, he'll be close to 50. Um, and then he's in his 60s during the, the, the later flashback. But that's the biggest thing that got me was how old, um, like that discrepancy uh, in the 50s. And then also um, just some of the action sequences and stuff. I didn't love the de-aged look. It's uh, outside of that. How did you feel about the visuals in this? There were just some of the action scenes that just didn't look good. It's going back to, like, you know, there's a scene where he's running on top of a train. Yeah. And this is more tied to, like, when he's de-aged, but, like, you know, it's from, like, a bird, not, it's kind of like a bird's eye view, like, that far distance. And it just kind of looked like they found, like, a generic, like, CGI of a man running and put his hat on the figure. That's, yeah. And then a couple of the scenes towards the end where they have, like, a little bit of a bigger battle that were, that I don't want, you know, no spoilers. There's a little bit of a bigger battle where I was just like, "Mm, this doesn't look amazing. And then the scene with the bugs I thought looked pretty bad. Yeah, that was clearly, uh, CGI. I'm about to say that kind of um, reminded me of like the old school movies, like when green screens were first invented, where like they would just run in place away from some kind of monster behind them that was on a green screen. It kind of just reminded me of that, yeah. where they're just like acting like they're knocking stuff off. Mm-hmm. Which compare, which is comparing it to like Raiders of the Lost Ark, whenever um they had all those tarantulas on that one dude's back and like had to knock them off. And then in temple of doom, a lot of those mm-hmm. bugs were, re- it's just, it's, it's something small, but you can tell it really is like, if it has anything to do with any kind of animals, I thought the visuals looked bad and I just don't understand why. Like there's like, it still happens today where people, you know, use real insects. They use real snakes. They use real birds, this, that, like, it looks that much better and you clearly had the budget to just hire those people like the animal trainers and stuff. And it's just like, why, why would you waste the time and energy on doing poor CGI when you could have just had the real deal and made it feel more authentic? Well, cause yeah, that's one of those things from those early movies. It, it all holds up so well cause it was all, you know, very practical. There's a few things, like in Raiders, like the very end when everybody gets their faces melted off, that's a little, you know, um, I guess it doesn't look real, but it was still, it holds up because it's it's mostly practical effects. Um, Whereas this stuff, I think I might be a little more tuned into it than most, like the average moviegoer, Mm -hmm. just because, like, cgi i don't know why i just really fixate on that and like i can tell good cgi versus bad cgi and i i can usually like spot something and be like okay that's 
going to hold up for a while or something that's not. Mm. Well, something this small and insignificant, like most people probably won't care. But it's like the ants. And oh, my goodness. It's, I mean, not really. Not as bad. But at Kingdom Dude. of the Crystal Skull, there were the, that scene with all the big ants. And it's like, that scene might have looked okay in 2008, but like it looks awful now. I, so Yeah, that I remember watching that part. And I was just like, why am I rewatching this? Like I, that's when I remember that the movie was bad. Yeah, that that that's <laughs> when I started to remember. Like, yeah, there's a reason. Like, until this rewatch, I don't think I have seen Crystal Skull since I think 2012, because I saw it opening night yeah. with my family, and then watched it again a few years later. That I was just like, I'm not watching this again. Mm-hmm. And then of course I watched it again, but yeah, I think I've seen it in theaters and then i probably watched it a time or two as a kid i i have the movie so i know i've watched it at some point but yeah i haven't watched it again until last week before this movie came out I'm about to say since i was a child <laughs> i have two versions of the movie do i really wish i did no but the <laughs> actual movie collector in me and plus the fact that like it's just cheaper to buy like the collection of the four movies instead of buying the three for the first three individually is just cheaper. That is fair. So it's just like, yeah, eh. it's like when I bought the Transformers movies a few weeks ago. I didn't want the Mark mm-hmm. Wahlberg Transformer movies, but it's cheaper just to get them all together than to buy them individually. I was like, okay, I guess I'm just stuck doing this. Yeah. So that's fair. Um, there were some scenes also with uh, they were flying in planes in a storm. I didn't love that. I, I didn't think it looked great. Uh, they obviously did the thing where they darkened the scenery to try to hide some of the CGI, but I still didn't think it looked... Knowing Going into this movie, knowing that the budget was uh, $290 million, it didn't show, I don't think. It didn't. It makes me wonder if the vast majority of that budget just didn't go to Harrison Ford's pocket just for him to you know do another Indiana Jones movie. They probably had, did have to pay him significantly, um, but yeah, it's. I was not impressed with how it looked. I usually hold Lucas Arts or Lucasfilm in like kind of a, a high regard when it comes to visuals, mm-hmm. especially when it comes to like their Disney Plus uh, TV shows and stuff. I think that they do a much better job than Marvel Studios does visually. They definitely do. Um, but this, yeah, this was kind of underwhelming, I think, uh, in that regard, especially given the budget. I'm about to say, I, was, I forgot who it was I saw on TikTok talk about it. And they're just like, with a movie like this, you kind of want to like emphasize on CGI and make it like more spectacular to draw people in and to make it seem like it's worth it. Kind of like what they did with Mad Max Fury Road. Because, you know, it's been decades before we had gotten a new Mad Max movie since the last one. And then Mad Max Fury Road comes out and it's genuinely a gorgeous looking movie. Mm -hmm. And then now, of course, you know, it's only been what? 15 years since the last Indiana Jones, but that's still a long time. And if you're going to make it, if you're going to stick to your guns and say, this is the last one, like why not go out and just make it look beautiful? You know? Well, that's what, 
those early ones, a huge draw. I mean, they're great. Like, these are some of the best, you know, everyman action hero type movies. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people say that Die Hard started that genre, like that subgenre, but I think that Indiana Jones really elevated it uh, to like a, a new level and to a different, like, made it where you could take that kind of everyman hero and put him into like actual larger adventures and things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, But those early ones, like they're action movies, but the scenery in it is great. Like when he's going around uh, in Egypt and, and like just the scenery looks amazing. Um, And the action looks great in those early ones as well. Since these are action movies, you know, you'd expect, the action to look decent, but it just doesn't look that great. And then the the scenery in this just isn't... We'll get into that a bit more in spoilers, but I didn't think visually like the sets were that interesting. The The locations weren't that interesting. And, and yeah, the action just kind of left a little to be desired. Mm-hmm. Completely agree. But with that, I think uh, let's get into some performances and, and, and plot out of this uh so if you haven't seen the movie and if you care about spoilers uh go ahead and dip out now and just come back whenever you finish the movie but uh if you either don't care about spoilers or um have seen the movie uh, stick around and listen up i guess overall uh before we get into spoilers specifically how did you feel about this movie like what what were your thoughts on it just generally like would you recommend it and things like that i think to all the people out there who are big Indiana Jones fans and you have not seen this movie, I feel like you should go see it just because it is the goodbye to Harrison Ford as Indiana Jones. And I think the ending does a good job of, you know, showing that. But I disagree, but I'll get into that okay. in a minute. <laughs> That's fair. Um, I think Honestly, if you're just if you're just on the border for it, I don't know if I could really recommend it because overall I think so if I was to split the movie into three parts, I thought the first third was great. The second third was good, but then the last act just ruins it all for me. And it's just sure. like because you know, you get the classic adventure you know, it's old man Indiana Jones. And one thing I love about something I really enjoy about this movie is that unlike Kingdom of Crystal Skull, they actually show and treat Indiana Jones like the age that he is compared to what I think they did in Kingdom of Crystal Skull. Like he's clearly like aged and he's he cannot do the things that he was he's been able to do in the other movies. Yeah. And, which there is a significant Going between being in your 60s, like in your like early to mid 60s to being in your late 70s, like there is a significant amount of degradation that the body goes through. So I think that that made sense. Yeah, but I mean, and the, the reason I say that is like Kingdom of Crystal Skull, it honestly felt like, besides just his appearance, I wouldn't say he, like when you watch it, he didn't act like his age because like how old were you would have been like early 60s mid 60s 
he didn't seem like a sixty year old. Did he? That's fair. Did he seem like yeah. the late thirties, early forties kind of guy? No, but like some of the things that he was doing, I'm just like no sixty year old. Besides maybe Tom. Well, Tom Cruise is technically sixty one or sixty now. You know, somebody yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah, maybe. But like this guy, the way like the way he's built and looks, no, he couldn't. But um, for me. Yeah, I don't know if I could re- recommend it to people just because, like, it it gets to... The problem with the two new movies, or the two recent movies for Indiana Jones is, like, they get, just try to do too much and go beyond the scope of what I think Indiana Jones does. And that is... I, yeah, and, I... I'm about to say I'm, we'll we'll talk about that in a minute because yeah. I have a lot to say about that. Because I'm gonna rip the bandaid off um, on spoilers, and you know everybody knows Kingdom of Crystal Skulls is about aliens. And guess what, guys? Dial of Destiny. What does a dial do? It could be used for time. What's that? Time travel. Yeah. And it's just like, no matter what you say about the first three movies, yes, there are supernatural aspects. You know, like opening the covenant, and like you know people's faces melting off, or like there's a Indian cult out there where some dudes magically ripping hearts out. Yeah, but those are still grounded. Yeah. Compared to literal aliens and time tra- time travel. I th- I think part of what makes those first three grounded in reality a bit more is that the supernatural parts of those are grounded in some sort of religion. Yep. And it's and like bound to real world artifacts and real world events. Um like the I think the Indian tribe in Temple of Doom is based off of a real like loosely based off of like a real um group and a real religion ish sort of thing uh i I don't it it, but this is especially true for raiders of the lost ark and the last crusade those are tied to like um actual like lost biblical artifacts that um you know a large portion of the population know about archaeologists are like actually looking for which the archimedes's dial might be a real thing i don't know um the crystal skull stuff was not uh i know they're not like bait the crystal skull i think were just based off of like actual crystal skulls that they didn't look you know they had the whole crystal look but not like elongate or anything like they're based off of something historical but i mean that's like saying mario is a good representation of plumbing yeah so i mean yeah tying them to aliens i think was the was the the sticking point and then archimedes's dial tying it to time travel whereas in those original ones all of the supernatural or religious stuff was tied to like what from a religious perspective that stuff was actually used for uh and and what you know some people believe like specifically about 
um, the Ark of the Covenant and the um, the, the 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 cup, uh, the Holy Grail, mm-hmm. you know, things like that, like the Ark containing uh, containing God's Spirit, and then um, the cup granting like eternal life and things like those are things that people actually do be- like have believed archaeologists have sought after and stuff like that's more believable but with the aliens and things like that like the dimension traveling aliens and the time travel stuff it just it's a bit outside of the scope of what i think makes those adventure movies more interesting especially when you have a franchise built on like more historic religious aspects and now you're turning it into like more or less like we're going to tie in loosely some historical things and just make it almost more just straight up sci-fi. Yeah. So. Even though this movie didn't tr- didn't really try to embody the spirit like plot-wise of those early movies, they tried with the characters to hit a lot of high points. Um so Phoebe Waller-Bridge her uh Helena Shaw that she plays very headstrong like strong female co-lead and stuff. I feel like they were trying to have another Marion in there essentially. I agree. Um which that combined with I don't know uh I don't know who played Teddy the kid. Um, they tried to kind of modernize short round a bit with that. It feels like, mm-hmm. and you know, make like character wise, they're trying to build this cast around Indiana Jones, similar to the ones that he had in those first two movies, like the two most popular like side characters that he had. Um, and they wanted to put. Harrison Ford into kind of a Sean Connery role. I don't think it came across just because you didn't have Mutt there uh, to fill that son role. And like uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, her, her character just didn't like it was his goddaughter, but they didn't have that like father son relationship. So mm-hmm. like or even father daughter relationship like uh sean connery and harrison ford did so it just didn't it didn't work for that dynamic i think they tried it a little bit but um yeah i don't i don't think it worked like they wanted it to but they were definitely trying to embody like raiders of the lost ark marion and uh temple of doom short round with those two characters they paired indy with i agree i definitely which the funniest part about um what was the kid's name teddy yeah. The funniest part was like, it was like half, well over halfway through the movie. And like, I definitely, I'm like, okay, so this is like the new short round. But somebody in the theater was just like, I was just thinking that. And like, it was pretty packed when I went. And like, the person right behind me, I heard them say during a quiet part, this isn't my short round. And that <laughs> made me verbally laugh in the theater. Like nothing like yeah. was really going on to make me laugh. I was just like I look like a dumbass, but like that was genuinely funny. This is not my short round. Yeah, I mean it's what they were trying, trying to go for, which is fine. But it's just you know, 
they felt less like characters in their own right and more like caricatures of those classic characters. I wish that they'd kind of given them more agency rather than making them essentially updated versions of these old characters, which, you know, is fine, but I I just didn't really love how they handled those two. Mm -hmm. Do you think that they're going to try to have... uh, like sequels with Helena Shaw and Teddy. You know, I was thinking about that and the way they ended the movie, I don't think they're saying up that it's like they didn't leave it off like they did with Kingdom of Crystal Skull where Mutt was supposed like, you know, kind of clearly supposed to take over as that figure, that Indiana Jones character. Yeah. And in yeah. this movie, I don't think they really set it up exactly like that. However, I think they left it to be kind of open to whatever they choose to do. Like they can easily from where, how the movie ends, they can clearly, you know, like say we're coming up with like, you know, um, Helena Shaw, like an Indiana Jones story and like do like a spinoff movie where it's them and like kind of continue it that way. But I wouldn't necessarily say like, they're passing the it's not like they're passing the torch in this movie but there is the possibility by how they set those two characters up because like when i was watching it that's how i felt for the majority of the movie is like she's clearly like she's definitely given marion vibes but also kind of like the way that she is like during like say action scenes or you know just how she kind of carries herself it kind of does feel like she is the indie, the younger indie role, and then of course Tay just being short round two point It, it yeah. kind of gave me those vibes because, like, I think you and I have talked about how, like, you know, like Temple of Doom is a prequel to Raiders of the Lost Ark. So, she, which is when I figured that out, that was crazy to me, but it also explained a lot. Yeah, and like, <laughs> for example, like you, you know, like Indy is very reckless. In Temple yeah. of Doom, which Helena gave, gave me those vibes. So, like, the entire time I'm watching this is, like, this could be their Temple of Doom. That's fair. Yeah. Okay. But, I don't know. Like I said, I don't think they will if this movie if this movie tanks. I don't think they will. I think that they should, like, let this IP rest... I don't think that it has as much nostalgia for people, especially like young moviegoers that they want it to. Uh, since like Kingdom of the Crystal School wasn't well received. Um, so a lot of the the people that would are getting nostalgia from this are, you know, uh, an older generation, like, you know, middle-aged to older men and things like that. It's just not getting the draw that they think they will from this IP. It's not like a star Wars where there's been enough for all ages to get hooked on Mm -hmm. it. I just, I I don't see, they might continue trying to beat this dead horse, but I I really don't think they should. Um, Phoebe Waller-Bridge is a a good actress. I, I, I like her work. I just don't think that they need to continue with this IP. it, It just, I would rather see newer adventure movies come out than just kind of keep trying to retread the same set of people and things like that if that makes sense it does i mean the only thing i could maybe 
cost if they were so like if they don't want to give the ip a break the only thing i could think of that i can maybe enjoy seeing is like you know something like at the beginning of last crusade where you kind of see indy's um origin story maybe have something like yeah. that for a new character but like mm -hmm. i don't know if it would be a movie or a tv show on disney plus or anything like that but like maybe do something like that where it's a whole new character and they're doing other things you know like not sure. tied and like you know it's all new characters and i don't mean like oh this person's sala and this person is um oh what's the professor what was indy's boss's name at the university like bats i forget but so but yeah you're you're saying like don't make a reboot yeah like, just like or don't make a reboot with the same characters just something well that's essentially what i'm saying yeah. is just make another like another action hero like another action series it does i a series similar to this um but maybe like heavily inspired by this sure but don't keep beating this ip and bringing back the same characters and things like that i just don't think it i think it's kind of past its time and uh they've tried it twice and i don't think they need to keep try i think they want to they want this to make a lot of money and they want to make more movies but i think they should pivot away from that because I, I just don't think that it's yeah i don't i don't think that it's going to be profitable or good mm -hmm. based off the last couple times we've seen them try it and i'm completely fine if they just let this franchise be you know like mm -hmm. i'm a diehard indiana jones fan and i am content if this is the last time we see anything tied to indie and yeah and because, like, I'm not saying that, like, in a negative light, in a negative way, but, like, you know, one way you could look at it is, like, you know, kind of, like, look at, like, Looney Tunes as a cartoon. Like, it's okay to let certain things just not be, like, I'm tired of all the reboots to Looney Tunes and stuff. Because, like, it's one of the greatest mm -hmm. cartoons of all time, but, like, you know, it had its time from the 30s to 80s. Yeah. And they've cemented themselves in history, you know, like, ever. I'm not going to say everybody. The vast majority of people know who Indiana Jones is. Yeah. You know? It's That's it's fair. not like people are just learning who he is unless they're young. But, like, mm -hmm. it's okay because, like, it's the franchise has earned its respect. I, you know, many people, including myself, think the Raiders of the Lost Ark is the greatest, you know, if you look at, like, just adventure as a genre, I think it's the greatest adventure movie and yeah sure that's what i'm saying like you could give it as do flowers but just let it be don't don't keep rehashing mm -hmm. because you know it's leads to the problems that we have with the last two movies and especially with dial of destiny it's like you try to outdo the original trilogy but give it the same feel and you could give it the same yeah. feel to an extent but like when you try to outdo it that's where you run into problems because out, how do you outdo the Holy Grail? And somebody said, let's do time travel. Then mm -hmm. you start that. That's where the real problem is. Yeah. It's just, they keep trying to one up themselves, which those first three movies really didn't do that. I mean, when you think about it, like the most significant thing out of those three is like, the the Ark of the Covenant, which is like the thing that they used to carry around 
the broken charge of the Ten Commandments, and then also I think it was like that is where the Spirit of God was in those uh, early days of the the Jewish people after they left is after they left Egypt with Moses and everything like that. That is probably out of those three things early on, like mm. the most significant and the biggest like the biggest thing that they had. But then now it's like, okay, how do we one up? All that religious stuff. Okay, we're going to do aliens. Okay, how are we going to one-up that? Okay, we're going to do time travel. It's like there's really nowhere to go um, past that when it comes to, like, archaeological artifacts, I don't think. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, it, it just seems like, like if they're going to keep trying to push that envelope, there's nowhere to go. There, there's really not, and like the only way that the trilogy, I wouldn't say they tried to one up them. What made the original mm-hmm. trilogy so great, in my opinion, is like all they did was kind of shift the tone a little bit. So like you had the first yeah. one, which is your action adventure, but then the second one, you know, Temple of Doom is very gritty and dark. And I mean that plus you know Gremlins are the two movies that caused us to get the PG thirteen rating because neither one of them are rated yeah. R worthy. But they're not PG. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, you have that yeah. dark, gritty tone. But then for uh, The Last Crusade, it's just a dad and son buddy movie. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like a buddy movie because, like, Andy's never really by himself. He's there with his boss that we can't remember his name. And then he, yeah. he meets up with his dad. Marcus? Is It, it is Marcus. Yeah. Yeah, it is Marcus. So it's him and Marcus, and then it's him and his dad for the rest of the movie, and then yeah. they add Sala and Marcus back. So like, it's just mm-hmm. a, it's like the action adventure and dark, and then it goes action adventure buddy movie, and like you can do, and that's what I love about it because it's like it's not the same thing, but it doesn't take away or try to outdo the previous ones. You know, like it's just a different yeah, feel for sure. And while, and the problem with these is like, they try to change the tone and outdo it. And it's just like, it's not going to work. Yeah. So, but when it comes to the adventure itself in this movie, I think that this like is probably the worst journey that he takes to get to the final artifact. Um, Temple of Doom, he didn't really do much traveling and stuff, whereas Raiders and um, The Last Crusade and Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, they did go and they did go to like many historical sites and do a lot of digging and finding multiple artifacts and stuff on the way. Whereas in this one, it was a lot of, you know, just driving around in cities. Mm-hmm. And like there were a lot of chase scenes, which there there are great chase scenes in the other movies too. And these chase scenes were fine, but it just we didn't really see him going and doing any of the cool like archaeological adventures that we got in the in the last few. This one they go diving down on a boat, um, which is very short and doesn't really they don't do much with it, but. In the old ones, you know, in Raiders of the Lost Ark, they go and they they dig they dig in multiple spots in Egypt and find multiple different clues on the way to eventually finding the Ark of the Covenant. Mm-hmm. 
So this one is just missing that, I think. That like that part of the journey. I agree. And like one thing about their adventures and journeys is like at, even including Kingdom uh King, uh Crystal Skull, you kind of feel like you're there at the place. I'm not saying they necessarily flew out to Egypt and filmed. I don't know if they did for like, you know, Raiders of the Lost Ark. I don't know if they actually went to Egypt. But like you never truly But they were on site in a desert and like yeah. the sets were practical and, you, and things like that. You feel like you are. But like not once mm-hmm. during this movie that I feel like we were in Morocco, we were in Italy, we were in Greece. That's fair. You know, like just something about I don't know if it's it kind of looked like there was a filter over the buildings and stuff to just kind of yeah. take it away. But like not once did I like buy into the fact that like oh we're traveling across the world. Also, another thing mm-hmm. that kind of ru- uh, ruined this movie for me is that they changed up how the way that they travel looks. I meant to bring this Dude, up. I in don't the, the visuals, visuals. I I thought they weren't gonna do it completely. You oh you didn't think they were going like to even have that scene? Well, because the first time that they traveled, they didn't do it. Mm-hmm. To uh, when they went to Morocco from New York. Yes. So I was disappointed. I thought they just did away with it. But then when they did do it, I was even more disappointed because yeah, they, they 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 changed the look of it completely. Like it, it didn't work for me. I agree. It just and like it just looked like it, it was one of those things that they updated that didn't need to be updated. I feel yeah. like because like the way the classic scene of you know the scene the plane fly and stuff it was just it kind of it, it, I'm not gonna say it looks great but it fits with the movie but when you change that and when you change how you feel on these adventures which it just takes you completely out of it and it's just like. Mm-hmm. You know, they already stripped back so much of the stuff that made those originals great mm-hmm. that just taking this away also just didn't sit right with me because they didn't do it until after the movie had kind of already lost me as well. Them changing, the, like I was, if they had done this and the movie had been great up until this point, I don't think it'd bother me, but I already had a lot of problems with the movie. So then when they chose to do it this way, I was like, I don't really care for this. Yeah. But no, I, I I didn't like that at all. <laughs> I I I remember just watching that and like I wasn't full Homelander. Yeah. But like yeah. I was like twenty percent like you know Homelander during that part. I was just like, <laughs> no. Nah, if you want to see me Homelander, that would have been during the Flash. But oh yeah, yep. yep. <laughs> but um, so. We have touched about, you know, how this movie's time travel. How did you, what are your thoughts about them actually pulling the trigger and like not only building that this, you know, building up this movie that is about time travel with the dial, but the fact that they actually went back in time. Man, um... If they had gone back to the 30s like they meant to, 
I don't think it would have bothered me as much. I But the fact that they do go back to ancient Greece that just uh yeah, that really jumped the shark, I think. Like it just Oh man. Um <laughs> it just didn't fit at all. It just feels at the moment when they said it and the moment that really just made me not feel like this was Indiana Jones anymore was when they were in the tomb of Archimedes mm-hmm. and they removed the cloth and they're looking, you know, at the remains of Archimedes, which of course by then there will be nothing. Yeah. But you know, they're talking about, like, the tomb shouldn't have been there, but then Indy picks up the wrist, and he sees the watch. I'm just like, I'm out. I am completely out. Yeah, I wasn't paying super, like, close attention to the details of the watch. At first, I thought that it was um an invention that Archimedes had made. I didn't realize that it was like Indy's watch. (laughs) Yeah, like... So, I didn't catch that at first, so it didn't bother me at the time. But once I realized retroactively that's what it was, I did not care for that at all. And there are just so many unanswered questions about the time travel ending that they just ignored. Like, So, for example, like, this clearly had so like going with the whole like timeline and like not breaking time paradox. That the so the timeline for this during that fight, you literally cannot have this without that moment happening. And it's just like Yeah. With them with all the archaeologists and stuff over the literal centuries afterwards, digging and excavating, not one of them found some kind of Nazi memorabilia in mm-hmm. the you know around this site you know because like you know for those of you who are listening who haven't seen it they crashed the nazi airplane in the middle of this battle between the greeks and the romans yeah and it's completely crashed ruined it's burning and it's just like there's gotta be something left over the- yeah it is strange and then um I mean, there are, like, these civilizations, they're, like, whenever they do get destroyed, back before archaeology was a big thing, they do get kind of built back over and stuff multiple times. And I get, I mean, but there's really no way of explaining why that Nazi memorabilia would be there by the time these places were actually getting explored for archaeological purposes. Yeah, you're right. Like... I, I don't know. I understand, like, ancient civilizations, like, you're not going to find everything. Some things just deteriorate. Some things get moved. Or, you know, like, say, like, if they landed in the ocean, God knows where they are. I understand that. But, like... Sure. You're just, te- like, you're trying to convince me to believe that nobody has found anything from them going back into time... And that happening, like them just not finding. Well, anything. also, 
in like the historical context when people write about this battle because Indy was teaching about it at the beginning why wouldn't they talk about those you know quote unquote dragons that like exactly. because the ancient Romans and Greeks thought that the plans were dragons why would they not talk about those things you know like yeah like you're absolutely right because you know when he's teaching about it, he was talking about how there's no proof about the giant um what do you call them you know the big they reflect the lights to distract the ships and well not to distract to burn oh them. yeah to burn them sorry so like the magnifying glass to an ant thing there's yeah. a name that they gave to him but you know I, f- I forget what it's called but yeah i know what you're talking about they have historical records that they could have had those even though they never proved them but yet there's no writings or anything of dragging dragons yeah that's that's a weird paradox for sure um yeah, the whole time travel thing, like I said, if they'd gone back to 1939, it would have bothered me less. But taking it back to like ancient times, it just felt out of place for a movie like this. The supernatural elements in these movies, even to an extent, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull has always felt relatively grounded. Um, mainly because the aliens in Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, like they're only there for a second. And then they're gone when they've like come to life, I guess, when they put the skull back on the rest of the body. But in this, like them taking Indiana Jones and putting him in the past, it just didn't, it it, it didn't feel like it fit tonally. Mm -hmm. I agree with you. If they just went back to where they wanted to go, the, uh, I still wouldn't have loved it, I don't think. Oh, I, I, you want my honest opinion? I think the way you make this movie a great movie is if you, during that scene where, you know, um, what's his name? Is it Volger? Uh, Vol- something like Voler that. Uh, is, uh, Voler. Yeah, Voler. When he's giving his speech about going back in time and fixing this, Andy's just like, if Andy was just like, you're absolutely crazy and they try to they go through the eye and nothing, and nothing happens. happens and he, i thought that would be cool that would be that would i, I would love that to happen because then that's kind of like just saying like like you know like out of the movie like the people behind this movie are just ignoring like the sci-fi aspects of kingdoms of the crystal skull, like saying, no, yeah, we're not going to do that, you know? And it's just, it would be so funny to just see it on their, like on the Nazis faces to see, like they truly bought into this guy and time travel. Mm-hmm. And it's just an absolute joke. Taking it a step further than that, though, I think what would have been really interesting and it would have gotten rid of the, it would have cut this movie was really long. So it, it would was. have cut down on the runtime a bit. It would have made it to where even though Indy isn't as physically capable as he was in the other movies, he's still very mentally capable in this. I think if he had talked about you know when he's like you didn't hey Nazis, you 
dumb assholes. You didn't account for continental drift. If that had freaked Voller out enough to like actually get him to successfully turn the plane around and land it and like try to recalculate, but then Indy like, you know, gets away somehow and takes the dial and destroys it or whatever, or puts it in a museum, however you want to end it. Mm -hmm. I think that that would have been a really interesting way to end it without like breaking the real is the somewhat like whatever realism the series had. Right. Cause like it would be like in all the other movies, it's like they get right to the moment where it becomes supernatural and they're just like, no, none of that. Yeah. I would, you know, what's crazy. What's up? Voller in this movie, he was a Nazi scientist and I guess he got operation paper clipped. Uh, in the in the uh, the fifties and sixties, like a lot of Nazis did in America, um, he says that he's a physics professor at the university that I go to. Yeah. <laughs> did you also notice that he was that, saying it wrong, or was that what your university was called at that point? So, I, th- the university is technically called the University of Alabama. Yes. Um, I think. They didn't want to specifically say it correctly. He keeps calling it Alabama University. Yes. Which is, like, it's fine. It didn't, like, I get what they're trying to do. I think that it might have been, you know, a copyright thing or something. Or, like, some kind of royalty. Yeah, if they, maybe if they had said the correct, like, an actual university name... They'd have to pay the university or some BS like that. Yeah. Maybe they just wanted to allude to the fact without fully saying it. Maybe they were just saying this Nazi doesn't know the correct... Whatever it is. It's like, yeah, it's technically not the right name, but like the point is very clear that the university that I got my undergrad in and I'm currently working for in grad school, <laughs> uh, the physics... One of the physics professors was an evil Nazi from... Indiana Jones (laughs) I thought was kind of it was it was kind of funny I I did enjoy that touch (laughs) I'm gonna take that a little further because once he said that it reminded me of something and for those of you you know who know myself or Hayden or Jake well you'll get this reference the entire time once he said I don't want to go back to Alabama University the entire time, I just looked at Voller as if he was Von Braun. <laughs> yeah. Well, I that's that's clearly what they're. That's clearly what they were going yes, for. Yes, like clearly, like Von Braun being a former Nazi, and then helping NASA, like it's go to the moon literally is right and there. then also there's a lot of people that claim that warner von braun like was always a nazi like he never stopped being one like he still believed in the cause. like obviously the government and like stuff would want you to believe like i don't know for, for certain i one way or the other but like the government and stuff like that, when they brought them over, they were like, okay, they were forced to be Nazis because of where they were mm-hmm. and stuff. Like, Hitler forced them to work for him and all this stuff. But then also you have people around him later in life that were like, no, he was always like sympathetic towards the Nazi cause. They just lost. And he was forced to come over here in Operation Paperclip <laughs> and work on 
uh, sending people to the moon. Like, the, it's very clear that that's who they were going, like, who that they were basing this character off of. It 100% was, and it, that, I mean, that was just great, especially, you know, for us kind of being involved with that. Yeah, like, yeah. Because of- I think... I think initially they probably asked to make this character Warner Von Braun, mm-hmm. but his estate probably said no. <laughs> they probably did. And, you know, we were talking about Alabama University. They could get away with saying that. I don't necessarily think that the University of Alabama would want the one character that, you know, is affiliated with their school to be a Nazi. That is probably also true. You know, so maybe they fair enough. Yeah, maybe they did ask by chance. I don't know. You know, but like they may have. I de- I don't think they would have asked because like I don't even think the university where Indiana Jones works, because he's at a different university in this movie compared to the other four. He is, yeah. But both universities that we see him affiliated with, I don't think are real universities. If I'm not mistaken, no, no, I don't think so. So. I don't think they would ask, but that was 100% Von Braun. And I, once I realized that, it just, me seeing him on screen just made it so much better just because of that. I was just like, man. I kind of assumed that going in because I knew, I was fairly certain that the main Nazi in the movie was probably going to be a guy that helped send people to the moon. And that was the case. And I was like, okay, this is probably based off of Von Braun, but like, they kept hammering it home. <laughs> yeah. That- let's uh, let's go ahead and talk about the ending to this okay. uh, as our last one last one last. And thing. when you say the ending, do, are, are we talking about the actual ending or like the whole time travel? Like, are we starting at the time travel to the ending or like after the time travel? So. Let's start with the time trap because there's there's kind of there's the way I thought they were going to end this movie and I'm glad they didn't and then the way that they actually end it. Mm-hmm. Um <clears throat> I Indy asks to be left in ancient Greece. I did not like that. And I thought they were going to do it for a minute and I was real worried. I'm going to be honest with you, if they if they had left him, I would have walked out. I think that is a would have been a terrible end to this movie and that character. Well, hundred percent. Which, granted, I don't think the actual ending they gave him was that great. But yeah, I, I'm very glad they didn't just leave him behind because that would have been awful. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I I guess it makes sense for him to want to be left there because of like the history and everything. But like, I'm glad they didn't actually do it. And. It kind of goes back to what we kind of talked about, the time paradox. What if, like, Helena fucked up the time paradox by not letting him stay? Like, what was what happened if he was meant to stay? Yeah. You know? Real quickly, one thing we didn't talk about, Archimedes' dial is made to send people back to this moment. Like Exactly. Regardless. Like everybody was wrong about where it could send you back in history. Like he was calling for help to defend from the Romans. So it always sent them back to this moment. It's weird. Like I didn't particularly care for that nugget either. 
I mean, to be honest, at that point when they said that, I didn't necessarily like it or care for it. It was still, it's all still tied together to the fact that, like, we're looking at these characters, like, hundreds of centuries before, like, back in time. Like, I was just sure. like, okay, cool. That That's some kind of reasoning to why they ended up back there besides the continental drift that Indu tried to talk about, you know? But yeah, like I yeah, I was just like I would rather it have just been the continental drift if I'm honest. I, if I had to sit down and think about, it, I probably would agree. But like, yeah, I was just, I was just like, if that's the excuse or the reasoning or what you want to say, that's cool. I guess like, it's not going to change how I feel about the fact that they still traveled <laughs> back in time. You know, yeah, hey, that 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 is that that's true. I just that just piled on. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's talk about the actual ending here. Okay. Because there is something I want... I, I do want to talk about the actual ending before yeah. I talk about how I feel about it. But so, they, mm-hmm. so what happens is, you know, he tries to stay. He's like, I want to stay because, you know... Oh, something we didn't touch on is that at the beginning of the movie, we find out that Indy and Marion have split. She wants a divorce. And it's because that their son, Mutt... Uh, went to the war and died in Vietnam. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> and which I think it is crazy that Shia LaBeouf was um, the 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 lead or the lead in the Transformers series and supposedly going to take up the torch in the Indiana Jones series, and then in subsequent movies was casually name-dropped as someone who was killed off-screen in between movies in both of those. Oh, yeah. I forgot that he was, like, he technically dies in Transformers. It gives it... It it holds more emotional weight here. I haven't seen either of the Mark Wahlberg Transformer movies, but I've seen the screenshot of, like, it just showing on a screen that Sam Witwicky is deceased. In this one, they actually bring it up and it holds some emotional weight, but... It is crazy that he was just like blacklist blacklisted from like popular like blockbuster movies. He still is decent in things that I see him in. I think it's just but, because of his controversy at that time. Oh, of course. And yeah. I, yeah, definitely. I think before I I saw a TikTok of him talking on a podcast about supposedly him and Steven Spielberg have falling out mm, during okay. or after crystal skull so that might be one major reason why he's not in this or like you know why that didn't happen plus the controversies sure that makes sense yeah but um yeah it is kind of funny but like you know he's just like ran off his dead but like like you said here it does have more emotional weight so like you know all that happens he has nothing to go back to and he's like happens to be at this one major historical event that he was teaching about earlier in the movie and he's like, I want to stay. Yeah. And Helena's just like, you have to come back. And he's just like, no, I'm staying. Leave. I've been shot. This, that. Helena just knocks him out, right? Which, if he stays, he'd probably die, like, pretty quickly. Yeah, he's, he would definitely die if he had stayed. I think he would just have, yeah. like, sat somewhere on a rock and just watched it. And then just, you know, fall over dead. Yeah, but, like Caesar in the third Planet of the Apes movie. Yeah. <laughs> um... But, also, another thing we didn't talk about, 
One reason he left New York at the beginning of the movie to go chase Helena once she stole half of the dial is that he's technically wanted for murder. I completely forgot about that. He is... Yeah, because, like, <laughs> the Nazis come through and kill people, and at, he gets, like, framed for yeah, it. Yeah, like, so they killed people while looking for him and Helena, and... Yeah. They, uh, you know, he, they kill people, and Indy... Indy's not the guy... He's not the dude that we have seen in past movies where he's like, okay, I'm just going to break out a whip and, like, beat, beat every single one of your asses. He's like... Well, he tries that once. He, yeah. And it does, it does not go well for it him. It does not. That moment from the trailer where everyone just whips out a gun. And he's just like... Which is crazy because in every other movie, people could have done that. Like, everybody had guns in the old movies, too. But for that to be, like, a... A, a funny moment in this one is like, oh, the whip doesn't work anymore. Yeah. The whip should have never worked. So why? Why it never are we, should like, have drawing that line now of all times. Yeah, but um. Also, I feel like Indy doesn't carry a gun in this movie, which he like used to always have one. Maybe not in like this might have been a problem in Kingdom of the Crystal Skull as well. I don't remember, but in the original three, he always had a gun as well. He always had a gun, and somehow, some way, during each of those movies, he would find a way to lose his gun. Yeah, or he'd run out of ammo yeah. or whatever, which is fine, but, like, at least he had it at, at a certain point. Yeah. It doesn't make sense for him to just not. It really doesn't. Like, they just kind of were just like, we're going to ride off the gun. He's known for having a whip. Sure. But, but while they, uh... Yeah. Oh, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say the actual ending to this movie is like him waking up in his apartment and Sala's back, which Sala was in the movie for a little bit earlier when he helps get Indiana Jones to the airport, which is crazy that in the 60s, a man wanted for um, for murder could just get on a plane and go to Morocco. Yeah, like um, he just wants it. It's crazy to think of a time where that actually happened. And like we talked about him having a gun like even beforehand in the previous movies, like back more in time, he could just travel with a gun on him on yep. an airplane yep. to other countries. Yep. And it's just like it's crazy, crazy to think about because now you can't even like go onto an airplane with two ounces of shampoo mm-hmm. or I forgot what the, you know, the liquid amount is, but like, you know what I mean? It's just absolutely crazy yeah. to think about. Oh, for sure. But yeah, watching old movies, like, Pre nine eleven, it it is crazy how, like, just seeing how people used to be able to travel. Yeah. Compared to now, because like, I didn't fly until well after nine eleven. So like, I I've never seen anything other than like all the strict rules with TSA and how they do security and everything now. But um, I did fly when we whenever we went to Hawaii as kids, we did fly. It was either two thousand one, two thousand two, but. You know, I'm like maybe what seven, maybe yeah. eight during that time. So I don't remember that. But like, yeah, like the past few years, I've flown a lot, and it's just just such a ha- like. I kind of wish it was like back in the '60s because mm-hmm. of how much of a hassle it is, depending on the airport. Like Atlanta Airport, it takes me like three hours to get through TSA. You know what they do yeah. and. Uh, the old movies is just like it, like what it looks like they did in old airports. It's just they like, just walk straight to the gate. They just walk straight up to the plane. They're like, "Here's my ticket." Like you know. Yeah, 
but I travel a lot for work, so I've gotten it down to a science. Um, so I get through it pretty quick. It's not that much of a hassle anymore. But those first few times, like get, getting the routine down, is is rough. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, I thought Solid was gonna be in the movie more when he showed up early on, but now nah, he just disappears, and then he's back at the end. With his grandchildren. Marion's back. Uh, Helena and Teddy are there along with some of Sala's kids. And they they let Marion and Indy have like a little emotional moment. Where I guess they're like patching things up and working things out now. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of where it ends, right? Yeah, so it ends with them reconciling. Uh, reconciling. And then, you know, everybody's walked out, but then it go, like pans to the window where you see his hat on like a clothesline and he just reaches out and grabs it. For what reason? And then I, it like zooms yeah. in. That's it. Yeah. I think Kingdom of the Crystal Skull is not a great movie, but I think that is a perfect end to Indiana Jones's character. And this movie definitely undercuts a lot of that. And ends him in a less satisfying place than that movie did. Interesting. Because for me, I'm kind of the opposite. Where I didn't... Really? I did not like the ending of Kingdoms... Uh, of Crystal Skull. Keep wanting to call it Kingdom. Mm-hmm. But um, the reason being... Why is that? Because now... I think now looking at so many years apart, it's very clear that the ending was meant to be like... Indy and Marion go off and live their lives while Mutt is supposed to take over. And I didn't even I didn't even read it like that because he thinks about putting on the hat, then Indy takes it and he's like, get your own hat or whatever. Like I could see that sure they would want to pass the torch, but really I look at it as okay, Indiana Jones had his one last adventure. He's kind of getting too old for this. He's settling down and finally getting married and he has his son and he's going to kind of be a, try to be a father figure to him and like and and everything and then kind of retire from the adventuring, just go back to teaching and live a regular life. I think for his character specifically that works great. And then just to take it's it's like in Rocky when after like Rocky three, Rocky, you know, is very successful. He has a lot of money and all this stuff. But then in Rocky four or maybe it's Rocky five where his accountant like stole all of his money. So he is back to square one. Like it feels like character regression mm-hmm. rather than progression. If that makes sense. I definitely I definitely see what you're saying. Yeah. But yeah. I don't know if it's just like the fact that like we know the fallout and that's what affects it. But for me, one reason I really like this ending is just because like, regardless of what we say about the adventure, there's a lot, if you could tell by what we've said, like it's not the greatest adventure at all, but you can mm-hmm. kind of treat it like it's his actual last hurrah. And the fact that we do have that moment where he is back with Marion to me is a good enough ending. I think it's a good enough ending, but I think that he already had a great ending. Yeah. 
the ending of Kingdom of the Crystal Skull is the best part of that movie, just because it like it wraps up that character so nicely and gives him like a happy ending and stuff. And then this one is like you could still have this movie, I think, without stripping everything from him. Like, let him be happily married to Marion and let him, you know, like have a small Shia LaBeouf cameo. He doesn't have to play a big role, yeah. but just like or or like don't kill him off and cause all this emotional trauma and like divorce and everything. Just Yeah, like his goddaughter can show up and he can get involved in this thing as one last adventure, but I just think that it undercut a really good ending for this character. And it and it kind of it ended in a similar spot, but just a more watered down version of that. That's fair. Regardless. Especially because we didn't see Marion in this movie. We didn't get to watch them grow back together. Yeah, it's just like we did in Kingdom of the Crystal School. It's just like a quick maybe three minute cameo. Yeah. I definitely see that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do know for my Lairbox review, I did give the movie one and a half stars for the ending where you see him grab the hat. Oh, really? I thought you rated it higher. I thought I saw. No, I added one and a half stars. If I. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For that. Okay. No, it will. I thought you said you. No, 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 no. You. I would have probably rated this movie a two star review. But it's now on Larabox at three and a half because of the ending where he grabs the hat. Because yeah. it's just like, okay. no matter what, like he, he is very old. He is closer to death than he is going on his next adventure. But when he grabs the hat, when I watch that, it just made me like feel like he is still and always will be Indiana Jones. And it just made me so happy. So mm. yeah, I didn't. That didn't do anything for me. That's fair. I I gave it. You gave it like one and a half stars. Yeah. What did you get? It's wait, wait, one wait. of what did you get? The Flash. Oh man, I might have given them the same thing. Which my rating scale though is a sliding scale, so um yeah. I gave them both one and a half stars. I did think this movie was a lot better than The Flash, though. Um, I don't know why I gave The Flash. You... Let me see. You gave it two and a half. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Did I just mess up my rating? I think I just messed up my rating. Oh, well. Yeah, well, I'm surprised I gave it two you, and a half. You tend to rate things on the higher side. It just depends. I think... Oh, I remember. I think even though I was pissed off because I did talk about it real quick. Uh, well, well, I'll say yeah. this real quick since we're ta- supposed to be talking about indie. Um, I did rate the Flash movie a little bit higher the because like even though I did bitch and moan about how like I waited my entire life since I could remember to watch my favorite superhero finally have a standalone live action movie. And I got this shit. I mm. think I gave it some extra points for the sole fact that I finally got to see my favorite superhero on the big screen by himself. Well, not at all by himself. Yeah, you get what I mean. Like <laughs> it was still like it's a flash movie. It's not like 
a Justice League. A Flash movie in name alone. Yeah. I did give him some <laughs> points because he was um, on the screen the vast majority of the time. So I think I gave it like half a star for that or something. But yeah, I, I kind of tend okay. to grade review some movies a little bit higher. Just depends. Yeah, It depends how I feel. And that's one reason why like I tend to wait a little bit longer to review movies. Yeah, I tend to give it a day or so. But yeah, I'll, I mean, I'm going to stick to my three and a half of this movie just because even though I was not a huge fan of it, I still enjoyed knowing the fact that like I was able to say I got to see the last movie of my favorite cinematic character. Yeah, I, I think I didn't really have that because... Like I said, I, I I did just recently watch Kingdom of the Crystal Skull again, and while that movie has a lot of flaws, I think it does give a really great end point to that character. Yeah. And just to see him, like, them drag him back out of his coffin to come out, and, you know, it, it, I just... I didn't really have that experience, because in my head, that story was already wrapped up. And this one didn't give me a reason to think that it should have been brought back out. I agree. Not because of the ending, but just because not because of the ending of the movie itself, but like as a movie as a whole overall, I, yeah, it's like, did this movie do anything for the legacy besides maybe reintroduce the character to a younger generation? And the answer, which based off box office numbers, it's not doing. Yeah, like the box <laughs> office numbers are people who go see movies and or love Indiana Jones. For sure, yeah. and you know, kind of sucks, but also it's just like should have been a better movie. But again, I, the reviews that are coming out have been that it's better. Than Kingdom of Crystal Skull. Which I disagree with, I think. I rated it lower. I know you did rate it higher. I think that you are of the opposite opinion. I, but I, I honestly think that the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull is a better movie. I, I don't know. I Like, for me, if I was to... Well, I, I'm going to at some point. But if I was to rank them, I would probably yeah. have crystal skull above this movie even though this movie has a higher rating that's fair because yeah. like when i rank movies like that i don't consider the nostalgia points yeah as someone who has very subjective ratings i i understand where you're coming from like for example like i so if y'all don't follow me on Layerbox, please do um i do release one funny review each week or i try to and uh <laughs> But, like, I gave Cocaine Bear a 5 out of 5, and I think I even said in the first sentence, like, is this a 5 out of 5 movie? No. But, like, it's a good movie, and it's fun as fuck. Like, yeah. But, like, on my, like, overall ranking of movies seen in 2023, it's... It's not gonna be your top one. Oh, no, it's nowhere. I don't even know if it's... It's probably in the top 10 for now just because yeah it's like in the back half like for sure yeah but yeah i don't when it comes to nostalgic or just like points for like 
how I like a movie. I don't consider that when I actually try to like critically think like, what do I think is like, what movies do I love? And I think are generally great movies. So, mm-hmm. but well, I think that's about it for today. We have ran a little long. Uh, we had, I, I really enjoyed having you on the show. Uh, well, thank you. Maybe I think it was a good, it was a good talk. Yeah. Yeah. You but know. we did go on for quite some time. I'm, I, I'm, I, it doesn't feel like it's been nearly two hours, but according to uh, my recording software, it has. I'm, I'm about <laughs> to say for some reason, every time I'm on the podcast, even though like we are now breaking the tradition of me being on back to back episodes. Yeah, who knows? who knows? We might have you back next we week. We might. But every episode we do, I feel like it's just long. Yeah, yeah. Well, we have good conversations when you're on. So That's I, true. Oh, I, I appreciate you for coming out. Um, Ooh. Uh, if you want to if you wanna, you ask people to follow you on Letterboxd, if you want to plug your Letterboxd, now's the time. I don't know if you have anything else to plug. Uh, no, not yet. Um, that'll be down the road. One, follow me on Letterboxd. It's G... Well, wait, no. Damn it, it has my last name. I'm about to dox myself. Oh, well. It's Garrett2Rs2Ts underscore Ake, A-K-E. And the second thing is, when you're listening to this, it's going to be America's birthday, the 4th of July. I want everybody to relax, drink some beer, shoot some fireworks, you know, be safe. And uh, just do yourself a favor, and at the end of the night, watch the greatest 4th of July movie that's the greatest movie of all time. The greatest movie of all time. <laughs> and stars the greatest, most authentic, based on a true story, American hero, Bruce the Shark. Yes, I am talking about Jaws. Big Bruce. Big Bruce. I'm telling you, there's no better way to celebrate 4th of July. And that's all I got to say. Oh, every year. That's my favorite. That's my favorite part about the 4th of July is giving me an excuse to watch like my third showing of jaws for the year it's gonna be my fourth showing like it's gotten to a point where like there's some movies where i just don't review because like i watch them so many times a year like kill bill yeah. jaws and there's a couple i still i still add them just because i like to keep track of how many that i've watched but we do need to wrap up here yeah, we do. uh yeah so as always uh leave a like rating or review on whatever you're listening to us on and uh thanks again for uh, listening to our Indiana Jones episode. If you have anyone you know that isn't familiar with the show and you think would want to hear us go very in depth on the new Indiana Jones movie, uh, drop them this episode or any other episode you think they'd be into. But uh, that's all we've got for this week. So as always, uh, thanks for listening and we'll see you next time. Peace. This podcast is presented by Miscreant Records. You can find us on Twitter at Miscreant Pods. And you can also email us at miscreantrecordspod at gmail.com.